And here we are on a Wednesday night, the 7th of October. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show. And uh, Joe, you're debuting with a new shot tonight. I thought I'd try something different. I can't. Uh, if I any of you would like to uh, express your opinion as to this particular angle or whatever like that, uh, feel free to do so. I thought I'd, again, try something a little bit different than what I normally do. We like it. Just, it also gives me some freedom. You know, my... Normally, I'm, I'm confined to this and that because the, the tripod and the camera is here, over there. So let's see how this works out. Can I do the same thing? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm keying out with our, our fabulous background that we have. Okay. All right. So uh, severe weather uh, across upstate New York and into New England. In fact, our Timothy Veltman, who's one of our regulars on the chat board, is not making the show tonight because the weather was so bad up in the Albany area that it knocked out power and uh, transformers blew up and, and flames were shooting all over the place, uh, according to the message that he sent me. I, I have to tell you, first of all, I, maybe what that slip you made yesterday where you you said moderate risk instead of marginal risk. Right. Well, it probably should have been a moderate <laughs> risk considering the outcome. Good call. Oftentimes, the best weather calls are the ones that you make by accident. Uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, interestingly, as we said yesterday that the marginal risk area was confined chiefly to the Adirondacks and points north. And just below that was the area of general thunderstorm coverage. Most of New York State really was supposed to be out in the clear with just maybe some showers. And then today I saw that they moved the marginal risk much further south, yes. just north of where I am. I and, will... Uh, and and we 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 have seen uh, severe weather, a stone's throw away to the north. In fact, Joe, here's something at 5:50 today. Now, we have, and I put this on my Facebook page. My my wife, Renata, has a bunch of palm trees that are alongside of our driveway, and these things are big. They're they're big trees or big plants in huge pots. And every other uh, day, she'll fill each pot up with water more or less, you know, acting as the ballast to keep those pots in place. The way the winds were blowing today, they were, they, it was rather breezy. We had a wind advisory. And I said, you think maybe we should move them? Well, when we have windy conditions, we move them into a corner uh, to shield them away from the wind. Said, nah, they've lasted this long. I think they're going to hold up. At 5.50 this afternoon, all of a sudden, we had this humongous wind gust hit our area, hit our house. And sometimes, you know, of the five trees, one, maybe two will fall over with a heavy wind. This one gust knocked all five of them down wow. flat. It was incredible. I'd say for that five or six seconds that the winds had to be conservatively 50, maybe even in excess of 55 miles an hour. Otherwise, most of the afternoon, we were seeing gusts of 30, 35, maybe 40, whatever. And I said, now we'll, we'll weather this. One rogue gust. It hasn't done anything since, but boom, down they all went like the like they were in a bowling match, like the head pin was hit by the ball and they all went down and all those trees went down too. Unbelievable. One of the odd things today, Joe, that I saw early this afternoon was SPC. Uh, considering all the, the thunderstorms and, and the severe thunderstorm warnings that went up this afternoon over various areas, they, they put out a mesoscale discussion and they opted... They opted not to put up a severe thunderstorm watch. 
which I guess in hindsight was probably they they might want would have wanted to re, have uh, reevaluated that that particular position. I'm actually a little bit surprised at just at the extent of the the severe weather that's going on. And in fact, let me bring up the radar uh, in the Northeast at the moment. I mean, there's still a line of storms. Uh, this radar is about 20 minutes behind, so it's 7:05 Eastern time. So this uh, loop is from about 6:45. This particular uh, site with the weather service uh, usually runs about 15 to 20 behind, but uh, that, that that line of storms that came, that moved down south of I-90 and now is moving through uh, from eastern and southern Massachusetts and through parts of Connecticut, that's not that, that's no shabby line there that, that no. that's going by. I mean, I, that's a that's a that's actually rather impressive. So I, again, I'll just go back to saying that maybe they should have put up uh, the watch box. I'm really shocked at the extent of the showers and storms getting as far south as they as as they are, because uh, um, my buddy Phil just sent me a picture of the sky uh, where he is in Rocky Point, and uh, it looked like the end of the world. Mrs. Bundy is around somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, a that's a ha Alfred Hitchcock birds uh, uh, reference, yes. by the way. Yes. For those of you who uh, have never seen the movie, shame on you. But uh, <clears throat> put it on your to-do list. Well, was it Rod Taylor who slapped Miss? Uh, no, no, that was his mother. His, they got into a big. He got into a big argument with his mother at the house. Yes. Mrs. Bundy was the one who was at the at the diner, always talking about the birds and the species and and whatever. So. Right, right. Um, I yeah. Get <laughs> well, she's our. She's she is, is is makes an occasional appearance on this show, as we know. So these storms, uh, you know, also they have a high wind warning up just for uh, parts of uh, Massachusetts. I'm going to just uh, get the hazard map up here, and uh, we'll come back to uh, the uh, hurricane watches that are up in the Louisiana Gulf Coast for Delta. But we still have these wind advisories up and down the Hudson Valley to northeast New Jersey, New York City, Long Island, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Um, much of Massachusetts under a high wind warning. There's also a working special marine warning that is uh, going on uh, at the moment. And I, I just also, by the way, I was looking at, I know they have the wind advisory, and as you said, you had that renegade gust, I guess, with the front going by of 50 or 55. That had, be, that had to be it. That had to be the actual cold front moving on through uh, the, the area. Because also the winds have been south-southwest here, and I could tell I was outside just a little while ago, and you could definitely feel that the winds have turned now into the west northwest. So that must have been the cold front that came on, came on by like a forty-ton Mack truck. Yes. <laughs> now most of the gusts that I'm seeing, at least as of six, uh, as of seven o'clock, most of the gusts that I'm seeing, for example, around New York City, it's mostly twenty-five to thirty-five. Uh, on Long Island, um, uh, Mantenecock Point, I'm not a hundred percent sure where that is. I think it's in Nassau County. Uh, 35 gusting to 48, uh, 29 to 39 at Jones Beach, 22 to 35 at Farmingdale. Uh, the Suffolk County winds are very light, uh, west at 10 at West Hampton, uh, northwest at 8 at East Hampton, 10 to 18 at Montauk. So I guess the push hasn't really reached there yet uh, with, um, with, with the front. Uh, the uh, Hudson Valley winds... I'm looking at these winds, Joe. There's there's nothing here to write anything home about. Uh, Montgomery Northwest at seven, Otisville Northwest at three, Suffern Northwest at ten, 
Newberg is 16 to 24. Poughkeepsie is 17 to 32. Yeah, the, the horse, the horse already left the barn about an hour. Right. So really, so really, the wind advisory was about the front going by and about 10 minutes worth of wind. Right. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, now it's a little different. I noticed that the winds in Connecticut, for example, uh, here we're seeing gusts of. Uh, oh, you know, there's some uh, Bridgeport's gusting to 37. Uh, 31 gust at Norwalk Har Harbor, uh, 25 to 35, the average gust. Boston's gusting to 30. Worcester uh, to 24. Nantucket, 23 to 31. They'll probably see some gusts that'll be a bit higher than that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe the um, maybe where the high wind warning is, they might have opted for a wind advisory and uh, perhaps in the other places. I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't like to second guess, uh, guess, guess the forecasters. They... They they made decisions based on what they had in front of them yesterday, and um, I, I don't think it's you know I I, I don't think it's um, it, it, it's going to do any good to go back and 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 hindcast. You think this high wind warning initially was was issued? I, I didn't get a chance to look back by the Boston Weather Service when they had um, when they were taking over for New York for a while. Or no, Boston yeah Boston was doing uh, Boston was definitely doing uh, Upton yesterday until yesterday evening. I don't know whether that that has switched back. Uh, I've got the uh, all right. Hang on, I'm, I got to. Oh, well, I they can't. Have switched, they have switched back. What I'm saying is that. Did, did the meteorologists at Boston, were they the ones that said, hey, we ought to put a wind advisory up for the tri-state area? And then when they handed it off to New York, I guess if, if anybody at the New York weather office out in Upton, Long Island was saying, well, maybe they shouldn't have done that, but we'll, we'll keep it up. just Probably for continuity's sake, they probably left it up um, if, if, for that, if that reason alone. And I just pulled up the uh, Northeast Regional Radar, which is uh, a little bit more up to date. The last frame on this, actually, it's not even this one's way behind. This is from 2238. So we're 20, 33 minutes behind here on this radar. Uh, so these, stor these storms are much further to the east. But at least you can see how strong they were when they were moving across Massachusetts and Connecticut. Let's see if I can pull up the Upton radar. And unfortunately, I can't because my flash player, the weather service is migrating away from flash uh, to uh, something else. So in the meantime, my flash player is not working. Uh, I have to go into the settings and, and change it. I'll do that uh, another time. But you get the idea, folks. We, we, we've got this all working through. And uh, we're going to see weather conditions improve and a nice shot of cool, chilly air for the next uh, day and a half. And of course, this is all leading into the weekend where it's looking more and more like we're going to get some of the rain, the remnant rains from uh, Hurricane Delta. And uh, Joe, the, um, the the GFS is insisting on this faster speed. Uh, the rains might reach southern New England and the Hudson Valley by uh, late Sunday or Sunday evening, if the GFS is correct, maybe even a little bit sooner than that. Right, right. And I didn't get a chance. Uh, I was kind of busy this afternoon lifting up... Uh, uh, flower pots. <laughs> yes. So I didn't get a, I did not get a chance really to get to take too long a look at the uh, at the Europeans' opinions as to what uh, we were going to get. In fact, I'm going to do that just right now. You so. do that now. I'm going to switch over to Hurricane Delta stuff. And boy, talk about hindcasting. Now we were struggling yesterday with the idea of well, how strong is this thing going to get? And of course, as soon as we said that, what happens? It weakened as it approached the Yucatan Peninsula. So we've gone from a Category 4 
to a Category 1 hurricane on the last advisory uh, as it uh, clears the north coast of Mexico, where they still have tropical storm warnings up. Uh, now we're going to see what it does as it gets into the open waters of the Gulf. Everything says it should strengthen. Uh, to I, I don't think we're going to see some of the intensity models yesterday that were pushing this up to a Category 5. I think clearly that's – I don't think that's going to happen, famous last words. But uh, it really uh, would be remarkable at this point if it were ever to do that. Uh, but, I mean, we still certainly could certainly get back to a Category 3. But I have to tell you, at least from the standpoint of forecast confidence, you have to – you have to want to take a step back considering uh, what happened last night uh, with the the awakening occur that occurred. Apparently, there was some mid-level shear that showed up and uh, distorted the system uh, later yesterday evening because the recon, when it went in there, the pressure hadn't fallen anymore. And the winds had not only not increased, but they actually decreased a little bit. And now, of course, that it moved inland, we saw the impact of that. Hurricane watches are up from High Island, Texas to Grand Isle, Louisiana. Uh, and uh, we also have various tropical storm watches up on either side, uh, on the Texas side, uh, back to Houston, Galveston, and a little bit further down the coast, and on the eastern side, uh, going up to uh, the Mississippi-Alabama state line, which includes uh, New Orleans in the tropical storm watch. Uh, the, um, the track, I think, is going to take this uh, west of New Orleans, west of Baton Rouge, and maybe even just west of Lafayette and east of Lake Charles. So at least from the standpoint of the area that got hit the hardest by Laura last time, they might be uh, in a slightly better spot this time around. But uh, I wouldn't write it off yet uh, as far as uh, it taking a little bit of a nudge to the west because we're, we're talking about a small margin of error here. Uh, and I suspect the Hurricane Center is going to go to warnings uh, either uh, soon. They, they, they don't, it, certainly by tomorrow morning, I think they will, they will go to hurricane warnings, if not sooner. It surprises me that uh, at least they haven't, I'm sure they put out some kind of statement. I'm sure the local National Weather Service offices, let's say at, at New Orleans and Shreveport and uh, those those places, they probably have already put out some kind of a watch uh, watch out, so to speak, for uh, Friday into the weekend. I know the governor uh, of Louisiana has talked about, you know, get everything in order now and by Thursday night because Friday... It, it's going to be bad news here. This, so, should, this has got to be routine for them. What did you say yesterday? They've had this is is this the sixth time this I season? Think the sixth time that they have appeared that Louisiana has been within the so-called zone of uh, of uh, uncertainty or cone of uncertainty. So we've had six different tropical systems. Not all of them have hit, you know, forcefully. But I mean, the, the very fact that. This is the sixth time that they've had to watch out for something. It's people, the, the eyes must be rolling around uh, in their heads because this is, this is this must be like some kind of a record for them. And, partic and particularly, Joe, because in a number of these events, if you're in the New Orleans area, uh, in, 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 in several of these, you, you hardly saw a drop of rain out of it uh, because of where the tracks ultimately wound up. Uh, but this, uh, this is going to... Uh, it already is in the process of becoming a rather large hurricane. The circulation covers almost the entire Gulf of Mexico, uh, from Florida to Texas, down to the, to the Bay of Campeche and over to the Yucatan Peninsula. The satellite presentation this evening, I think, is from the standpoint of, of a system that is trying to get organized again, uh, seems to be better uh, uh, better defined. There's some good outflow that I'm seeing on the, uh, on, on the loop here. 
Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more as we go through the overnight. And of course, we do have a reconnaissance aircraft that's going in there right now. And maybe by the time we get to the, to the latter part of the show, uh, we'll have some uh, updated observations. Um, I'll pull them up a little bit later on uh, and see what they got. Meanwhile, I just want to scroll up north to our neck of the woods. And you can see the strong upper trough that's moving through the northeast. Uh, very, very well-defined, uh, that uh, rotation there on the satellite. That's a very powerful upper air system, which was really the driver here. It was all about the shortwave trough going by. This was not about tropical dew points. It was not about a moist, um, a moist la uh, moistened layer at the bottom of the atmosphere. It was all about the energy aloft and the, and the speed of the, the fast speed of, uh, of uh, movement. Yeah, and uh, as we have said time and again, you talk about a fast-moving system, a fast-moving tropical system. If it has a pretty good forward speed, add that on to the uh, uh, circulation, the speed of the uh, uh, strongest winds around the center, and that only makes the storm even more ferocious. And uh, that's going to that's gonna add on to uh, what may happen to the folks in the immediate path of the storm along the Gulf Coast on Friday. <clears throat> and uh, I'm uh, just freshening up the tight Gulf of Mexico loop, uh, which... Uh, centers right on uh, Delta. And uh, you, again, here, this really does show how uh, large the circulation is. And as we go close up, uh, you uh, the uh, uh, visible going to infrared with the sunset, you still you are seeing there's a big blow up of thunderstorms going on where I think the, the center is. I can't see any kind of an eye here, but uh, definitely seeing a blow up of convection going on. The center has completely cleared the Yucatan Peninsula now. So um, between now and tomorrow afternoon, we sh this is the, 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 the period, you've got, a, I, I think you have a good 18 hours of, um, of strengthening here as this thing uh, moves on up uh, to the Northwest. I mean, this is Wednesday. You have a good, well, maybe a little bit longer than that. I'll take that back. Um, you, you probably have at least into Thursday night, Friday morning for this to strengthen. So we're talking maybe a good 30, 36 hours uh, before it gets uh, starts to get really close to the Louisiana coastline, so it's got time. If it's if it is going to strengthen, this is this is the time frame that you're going to see it happen. Yep. Well, we'll we'll see how it uh, all pans out. It looks like though, Joe. After and by the way, getting back to what we were talking about about five or eight minutes ago, I did look at the European, and the European has the uh, uh, precipitation from Delta's remnants arriving. Get this now. Uh, soon after sunset on, on, on Sunday, and in fact, by the time we get to Monday morning, uh, it, is, it has the entire tri-state area enveloped in, uh, in steady, albeit light, precipitation, but it, it looks like it's looking more and more like uh, Columbus Day Monday may turn out to be, I hate to say it at this point, it's, it's Wednesday, and we still have five days to go, but it, it's looking more and more like we could be looking at a washout on Columbus Day uh, Monday. Does it move the rain up through New England because of the drought situation there? They certainly could use another solid soaking rain because that's that to, that's what the GFS is implying and has been implying for the last couple of days. It actually uh, kind of tr starts moving it up and then it kind of like Cuts diminishes, the, diminishes the rain, at least in terms of intensity. Um, so if, if they're looking for a good, hefty soaking rain across much of New England, I don't see it, at least from the European standpoint. The GFS, as you just mentioned, is wetter. But the GFS has been wetter and more uh, robust with this 
as opposed to the European for the last few days anyway. So right, it's only in the in, in this most recent run really that the European has actually gone to uh, even showing rain getting here. I mean, we were discussing the last few days how the how the GF the European wasn't. Um, I'm sorry, the European. Uh, has only recently gone to showing rain getting here, and because uh, the last couple of days it it, it wasn't showing it, it ever getting here. Now it, right. it seems to have caved to the GFS. I think the GFS, uh, maybe it's the recent upgrades that they've done, or maybe it's something they've done to the European. I don't know. Uh, it just seems like the GFS, for our area anyway, and for the areas in the eastern part of the United States, I can't speak to how it's been handling everything else elsewhere, but at least for our for, for the weather that's been impacting the eastern part of the United States, the GFS seems to have been a much better model overall this summer and early fall. Absolutely. I'll agree with you 100%. There there were quite a few. Which was the storm that we were uh, discussing? Was that it's a year? Yeah, it was it's a year where they right. had the fast movement. And we said, my goodness, that can't possibly be right. All the other models are much slower and uh, uh, not, not as uh, vigorous. But sure enough, the GFS, it eventually turned out that all the other models went right to the GFS's camp and said, hey, you're right, this this is going to be a fast-moving system. Yeah, I would I would agree. The GFS, hands down, so far has been the model of choice this summer for not just one, but practically all of the tropical systems. By the way, there is some news on the European model that uh, remind me later on when we're done. I just wrote it down so that I made a notation for myself uh, to, to, uh, to bring up. The hurricane tracking models actually line up fairly well with the GFS in terms of speed and have been for the last several days. And you notice it's 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 very tightly clustered here right up through landfall, except for one or two models that are a handful of miles on the eastern part of the envelope. Almost all of them are on top of each other going in just west of Lafayette and just east of Lake Charles. And then the remnant low and the, rem the remnant low would run up through northern Mississippi, central Tennessee, basically west of the Appalachians and moving into western PA and upstate New York. But remember, usually when, when remnant lows go up the west side of the Appalachians, we really don't get very much rain here. But uh, I, the difference here this time around is the fact that we do have this big high that's going to be to our northeast that it's going to feed in a good east easterly onshore flow. Uh, and that'll help to saturate the, uh, the bottom of the atmosphere. So I think that's going to help in creating an area of overrunning rain for later Sunday, Sunday night into Monday. And I think that's right. where, I think that's what the, the the GFS in particular has been keying on much better than the others. And uh, that, uh, that onshore flow, you're right, probably will loan itself to help uh, moisten the atmosphere and bring up enough uh, uh, moisture into our area to uh, maybe make uh, Columbus Day Monday an unsettled day. But I, I let's stress, Saturday looks like a great day here with just some thin clouds and temperatures in the low to mid 70s. Sunday, a halfway decent day. We may lose the sun later in the day as the moisture from uh, the remnants of, of uh, Delta approach. But I think right now we can probably hold off on any precip until after sunset on Sunday night. And Monday, well, that's that's the clinker, so to speak, right. in terms of uh, outdoor activities. If you're, if, you're, if you're going out this weekend to do... Uh, you know, leaf watching, looking at the fall foliage by far and away Saturday into at least the first part of Sunday looked great. After that, from later Sunday onward, uh, things are going to be going downhill. Now, I, I, I'm bringing up the uh, Hurricane Delta intensity models. And one of the things uh, you'll notice is 
they all do re-strengthen it varying degrees uh, from a, a mid-range to strong cat 2 to one model taking it up to a cat 4. Now this peak in intensity occurs what happened to the 190 knot wind? Well, that's gone now. So now we're only got no, now it's only got to a one. It, it's up to 120 knots, but right. uh, on on the on that one model. Now uh, I've I've put two red lines here. The 36 hour um, time frame is 8 a.m. Friday morning. Now at this point, it's still a fair distance offshore. Uh, the uh, landfall, I would say, is probably let's say uh, let's say around. Two o'clock. That's the third, the, the middle red line I just drew, and you'll notice that the all the models weaken it as it goes into that approximate landfall time. So that could be a reflection of that shelf water, that cool shelf water that the um, that the Hurricane Center forecasters have been talking about, and maybe uh, an increase in some wind shear as the storm approaches the coast. Uh, we have seen this season that being uh, causing impact on some of the storms, but we've also seen the reverse where some of them at the last minute uh, had decided to strengthen. Sally was one of them. Hannah was another. I would just say that uh, the calendar favored that happening uh, for those two storms because they were earlier in the season, obviously. Uh, now that we're into, we're talking October 8th, October 9th, uh, the uh, water temperatures do start to cool because of the shrinking amount of daylight. And we've seen a couple of cold fronts make it down into the Gulf of Mexico, too. So that, that has also helped to, uh, to cool some of the waters that are close to the coast. will be interesting to see you know, how that ultimately plays. And then, of course, you see the collapse in the strength as it goes inland, which is pretty obvious. So here's the latest Hurricane Center forecast, uh, which at 4 p.m., 22.1 north, 89.5 west. So that's about 480 miles south of New Orleans. And a track to the uh, northwest at 17, uh, where they curve it to the north. The Hurricane Center at 1 a.m. Friday has it as a major hurricane. And then they have it underneath major hurricane status at 1 p.m. Friday when it's just off the coast. So the, uh, the Hurricane Center is looking for a landfall probably at around 2 or 3 p.m. Friday. And that is faster than what we've seen from uh, the last couple of days. And then as we move on, uh, the remnant low at 120 hours is uh, in uh, southern Kentucky, south central Kentucky at 1 p.m. Sunday. So at this point, you probably will be seeing rain uh, up to maybe southern New Jersey, southern Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, and into Virginia and West Virginia and Ohio. And uh, WPC from the weather prediction folks uh, with their rainfall forecast, if you just follow the track of the heavy rain, uh, the uh, uh, yellowish area is five inches or more. Uh, then you go to the darker reds, which is three to four inches, and then those start to shrink away. But they still, Joe, have, you know, the purple that's over Pennsylvania, northern New, uh, the northern half of New Jersey, Long Island, lower Hudson Valley, New York City. Uh, that's the, um, I would say that's the inch and three quarters to two and a half inches. And, but they're still giving New York State, much of New York State and much of New England, between three quarters of an inch to an inch and a half. I guess that's that's fair given what the model guidance is. And uh, something interesting also to note, Joe, uh, I won't say it's unique, but I think virtually every tropical landfalling system we've seen this season um, made its initial landfall in the dark of night 
And this, this one is going to come in during the uh, early to mid-afternoon hours, apparently on Friday in full daylight. So, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. So that's kind of a unusual. That also means, of course, that um, unlike the other systems where it comes in in the middle of the night, you know, uh, the, the local, you know, national news channels, you know, they say, well, you know, who's going to be watching at three in the morning or four in the morning? But now if this is in the afternoon of Friday, you, you, you've got to believe that they're going to have, I would hope, uh, more than just a few uh, reporters on the scene reporting, like the, like the good old days, if you will. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, the days when we, we, we would see this, in the, you know, hurricane coverage, you know, uh, and, and the event is actually happening. Whereas, you know, the, the, the way the TV stations think now, they, they think, well, three o'clock in the morning, not much of an audience, not worth really going, you know, whole hog into, uh, into major coverage. We'll, we'll cover it and we'll show it later. Uh, under the light of day, this may be a little bit different. It may it may actually uh, force uh, the uh, the various news services to break away from events of recent days. Yes, and force them to report on something uh, other let's, than. Let's let's switch from a global pandemic to um, uh, to hurricane coverage. Correct. <laughs> oh, brother. All right, so we've got uh, I got the upper air up so we can take a look at the flavor of all of this and what's driving it. And then you have this big upper high that's sitting east of the Florida coast, uh, Delta moving around the periphery of that upper high, uh, and uh, it's going to move unlike Gamma, which remember was sitting in sort of a no man's land flow with ridges on either side and a big area in the Gulf of Mexico where there was no flow at all. It's a little different this time around. You actually have a little weak shortwave in West Texas that's creating this alleyway for Delta to move northward and then turn northeastward over time. Of course, we're protected here with this westerly flow across the plains, the Great Lakes, the northwest flow that goes all the way down into North Carolina. This is the jet stream, by the way, for Thursday night, 8 o'clock on the GFS. And as we roll along, the east coast upper trough pulls out. Just, Folks, just watch out. Just watch all the mechanics here. As, as these weather systems just move along and how one how each one sort of impacts the other one that follows and also the one that's following coming into the West Coast having some impact in the overall flow of Delta as well. Uh, but you see how it moves inland. The westerly winds pull up uh, quite a bit here. As we go into Sunday morning, those westerly winds now, the base of those westerly winds, New York State and New England. And you know, here's the reflection of what's left of Delta lifting up into northern Mississippi. And you can see the upper high that's still over the Bahamas. So you've got this ridge that's up into, built up a bit into North Carolina and Virginia. So Delta's moving around that. And it's also being pushed along by the deep trough that's moving into the Northwest. And as we go forward, you'll see that, that uh, Northwest trough just progresses and here's the short wave that represents Delta. Now your westerly winds in the Northeast have pulled all the way up into Canada, and you've got a Southwest flow that runs from South Carolina to about New York City. This is the reason why I think you're gonna see this range move up relatively quickly. That trough in the West is just racing eastward, so it's getting, instead of getting pulled up into that trough, it's just basically getting kicked out to the East. And, as a result, we're going to get rain out of it instead of it getting all pulled to our west. 
The kicker. Yes. It's a big kicker. Yeah. And that kicker, by the way, eventually digs down another trough into the east around Wednesday, Thursday, and yet another one follows toward the end of next week and going into uh, the, week, the weekend of the 17th, 18th. There's a pretty monstrous-looking trough in the east uh, in the longer range. Uh, you know, I, I'm amazed. One of the things that's amazed me over the last few days is that the changes that the model runs have been making with regards to trying to make a ridge in the east, even if it's only doing it for a few days, and then reverting back to this north, this this seemingly dominant northwest flow. Uh, look, uh, on day nine, there's a big ridge building up the west coast again, and right. a deep trough in the east. I mean, this is a cold look. This verifies that weekend of the 17th, 18th is going to be pretty cold across the uh, Great Lakes, northeast and mid-Atlantic and southeastern part of the U.S., and uh, I mean, I'm sure it's going to change to some degree. I'm just I'm just amazed, I guess, at how the long range seems to be keep trying to show a warmer look. And then we keep getting into the short range where this this flow from Canada just remains so dominant and it carries it right through the 16 day period. And, uh, you know, the, for example, uh, you know, the last the most recent experimental three to four week uh, run of the uh, from from uh, the Climate Prediction Center had virtually the entire country in above normal uh, temperatures. How could that possibly be if we have that trough in the east continuing to pull on down all that cool air from central and southern Canada? It just it just would not work. Um, yeah. Maybe it'll change their mind this Friday. I, I, I'm looking here. I just pulled up the Canadian, you know, the Canadian loop, which we've been using almost daily over the last few weeks. And I guarantee you, I'm leaving this. We're going to use look at this every day as we go into the winter months. You know, one of the things I, I'm seeing right off the bat, as far as Canada is concerned, is you know these weather systems and these troughs and upper lows that are running around in Canada don't seem to be moving. Uh, with any particular speed to new locations. I mean, you just continually have this this sort of northwest flow uh, that just goes on and on. Uh, the west, unfortunately, is, I mean, at least some of that rain that's off the Pacific Northwest, that they're getting going to get some of that over the next seven days, uh, which is good news. And we still see uh, what the WPC folks showing rain. Uh, just refresh everybody. Let me just bring that map back up for a moment. Uh, but I uh, didn't touch upon the fact that you know, they do have rain uh, from Washington, Oregon, into Northern California, even showing some showers down into Southern California. Although they are, although it is a bit less than what we saw yesterday, but um, uh, wildfires have, have erupted again, and the rain at least is going to be useful in uh, quenching those wildfires or quenching those wild wildfires, if that's the better word. But uh, the the mechanics in Canada, Joe, uh, don't show any signs of really changing here. And I'm not seeing anything upstream uh, to the west that's going to go in there and sort of dislodge all these players. So maybe uh, maybe the models are, are 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 overzealous in trying to move chess pieces around rather than just leaving them where where they are. In which case, we're going to continue with this these shots of cool air coming down on a regular basis. Right, every three or four days it looks like, and. It and if you look, I, I in my brief look at the European a short while ago, it seems like every uh, every few days uh, a shot of, uh, in, in some cases even moderate to heavy moisture coming coming into uh, parts of the of the Great Lakes in the Northeast. So you get that kind of pattern uh, combined with the the winds, you know, flowing out of that northwest direction. It seems difficult for me to believe that 
uh, we could we could have prolonged warmth. Uh, that's the 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 that was the forecast, but I I'm, I'm assuming that as we continue in the days to come, we're going to see more and more of a concentration of cooler as opposed to warmer conditions in the uh, areas east of the Mississippi. Snow lovers should take note on this surface map that every day we look at it, there's just a little bit more blue there. Uh, so so uh, for you, we're seeming to go in the right direction. Most of the stuff, most of what's showing up is in Canada, but in a few weeks, it will probably be showing up in the mainland US. Uh, in fact, the low that is uh, going into New Brunswick on the northwestern part of it up into uh, I guess that's southern Labrador or eastern Quebec, a little bit of dark blue snow showing up there. That low gets really wrapped up, by the way. It gets down to a 977 by tomorrow morning. So the gradient in New England is pretty tight from Maine uh, down into New Hampshire and Mass eastern Massachusetts into tomorrow morning. So it's going to be pretty windy overnight into tomorrow in northern New England. We'll be a bit breezy tomorrow, at least for a while, until the high builds in. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, and, and, and we're dry. We have no weather issues here. Of course, now we're up to Saturday morning. Uh, you uh, see Delta, Delta coming in uh, during tomorrow afternoon. The GFS actually has it maybe a little bit further south than where the um, Hurricane Center has it. Uh, just coming ashore at about 8 o'clock tomorrow evening. The Hurricane Center would imply that happening a bit faster. Saturday morning, afternoon, the remnant low in northern Mississippi. But here's the thing, Joe, your high, the next high uh, of size north of Lake Huron. This is at 1 a.m. Sunday, cold front, weak cold fronts coming through. Our winds are about to go around to the northeast, setting up the onshore flow. Meanwhile, in the west, some rains come into the Pacific Northwest, and yes, some snow in the northern Rockies, snow, snow fiends. But uh, here's your rain. Sunday morning, rain, the northern edge of the rain Sunday morning, <coughs> southern Delmarva to about Washington, D.C. to Hagerstown with a surface low near Memphis. And your high is in um, in Quebec. Rain on our door, just about reaching New York City by Sunday evening. And um, a, a solid rain, New Jersey, most of PA, Maryland, Delaware. The, the, the GFS is not showing, like, we're not talking huge amounts of rain here. It looks, it, it looks more like an over, it, would, it looks to me like an overrunning rain that you would see uh, anytime in the mid to late fall. And uh, it kind of takes a while for this to get out of the way because the high takes forever to get out of the way. But you, 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 you look at the system, Joe, coming in to the West and how quickly it moves across the U.S. It really is acting as the kicker here to bring this up and then push it out. We're still, we're still showing lingering showers into Tuesday. Sort of a second cold front goes by. And then all of a sudden, there's some kind of wave on that front Tuesday night into Wednesday with some showers down from New England down to Virginia, finally improving. Oh, boy, my God, Sal, poor Sal Blandino at this point. Uh, <laughs> so, so now we're up to Thursday. Here comes the next short wave. And, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of snow at the uh, – is that up to Sault Ste. Marie maybe in northern Michigan? But here's the next cold front already on Thursday with a, a nice uh, 1037 high coming down out of Canada. A little lake effect there late next week, folks, over the Great Lakes, if this is right. And then here comes the next one, the stronger low, and showing even some patches of snow in parts of upstate New York and western Pennsylvania by day 11. Oh, my. 
<laughs> oh, gee, this is this was one cold cold run of the, of the GFS. Who knows how real this is, but uh, it does at least go back to what I said. I think this Northwest flow in Canada is there's it's just too overwhelming, and and may and and the models seem to be just just having a difficult time with it. Frank uh, Riccio uh, says that his niece is getting married outside on outside on October 18th, and she may need uh, they may need uh, winter coats if that verifies. Well, let's yeah. you know, just just for laughs and folks. Again, you know, for those of you who are new, uh, we always view these models outside of the you know past the day five time frame. Which with every passing day, we view it with greater and greater skepticism. You try to kind of get a flavor of what the upper pattern is and put it into some sort of perspective. And past performance is no guarantee of future outcome, but oftentimes that's the only thing we have to go on. And the fact that we've been in this pattern since the beginning of September, really, uh, where we're getting these shots of cool air coming down on a, a fairly regular basis, there's really no reason for me to think that, that that's going to change anytime soon. And I'm just looking at the, I'm going to bring up the anomalies. Uh, going into the long range, and my God, it's it's just really. This is day ten. How you're probably thirty or forty seconds behind me, but you, when you'll see it in a moment. So after Tuesday, the latter part of this week is a little bit below normal. Then you get a brief above normal for about a handful of hours Thursday night to Friday. Below normal Fridays. Everywhere east of the Rockies is below normal from Friday through next weekend. And I'm it's no, yeah, and you'll see, Joe's. I'm running, I'm running through three from then all the way to, to the end of the forecast period. It's below normal all over the place in the eastern part of the United States. Yeah. So uh, the GFS is not uh, the at least the operational GFS is not uh, uh, going with the idea of some sort of warmer pattern across the United States in the longer term. I don't know. Maybe it's a one-run wonder. I didn't get to look at the earlier run. Uh, but uh, I, the trend is your friend. I, 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 want, I want to go back, by the way, I'm going to come up full screen. I want to go back, by the way, to something you said yesterday. And oftentimes you get these clues and you see them in hindsight. But it was a very interesting statistic that you threw out yesterday about the fact that in New York City, that 80 degree high on September 10th, the last time we've seen 80 degree high is the earliest that 80s have cut off, assuming we don't get an 80 degree high through the month of October. Not not the earliest, but one of the earliest. Uh, one of the uh, earliest. Rob Rob Friedowitz uh, only said some, one uh, one of the earliest. He, he did not specify what is the earliest date for the for the uh, for the last 80 degree temperature. But that that probably is about as early as it as it comes. Right. Um, and we haven't seen anything. Close to 80 degrees, especially in recent days. Right. The uh, um, the the, the uh, yeah. I I I mean, I just 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 the I the fact that 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 now, now some years it doesn't matter. We've had we've had winter. You know, if you go back to 13, 14, or 14, 15, and you look at the autumns that went into those winters, I don't think you would have you would have expected you would have forecast the kind of the winters that those were based on the autumns that we had because as my mind recalls them they weren't particularly cool autumns i'll have to go back and actually look at the numbers for sure but i don't ever remember thinking oh my this autumn is giving us a sign that maybe the winter is going to be a colder and snowier one but um i, I i'm i'm just these these early clues that we've had 
and, and and you know Joe as well as I do. This could be all fine and dandy. We could we could have everything going this way through October, through November, and in the first part of December. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of December, the switch will be flipped. The ridge will be up in the east. The trough will be out in the west, and we'll be seeing temperatures ten or more degrees above normal on a regular basis. So, but you know, all you have to work with is what's in front of you. So if you're a snow lover. Uh, you should you should certainly not take all of what you're seeing as a negative sign. It can't be any, you know, obviously you know what the worst case outcome is for you, but uh, you're seeing things in the direction that I guess you 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 would uh, you would want to see them. And while I'm on that subject, why don't we just take a look for laughs because it is October 7th and we're going to start seeing all sorts of Siberian snow cover tweets and, and posts uh, pretty soon. So why don't we just take a quick look at what the 10-day snowfall is going to be across Asia. Uh, and, um, man, this is not snow cover. Uh, it, it, it is, um, we're just looking at snow that's going to be falling, uh, potential for snow over the next uh, 10 days to two weeks. And just I'll run it from the beginning. I'll have to start. When, once we get to October 10th, I'll pull up the... Uh, the snow cover map so we could see the progress of snow cover. And at least during the next two weeks, there is a fair amount of snow that is going to be falling through eastern and central Siberia down, well, almost to 40 degrees north. The southern flank of this is is is, is, is rather far south and relatively early. Uh, I'd be curious uh, to see what the first uh, Dr. Judah Cohen uh, <clears throat> uh, posts are about this and what he thinks uh, with regards to it. Uh, I would just caution uh, those of you who um, look at this sort of stuff, and I, I do look at it along with other forecasters uh, that I know, uh, that uh, there's no silver bullet and it's only one of a thousand indicators you could look at uh, that will tell you that it's going to be a snowier winter than normal and then it turns out not to be. <laughs> so, so there. There's still some pretty good numbers up there, especially in the green. Yes. 28, 29, you know. That's not that's not bad for uh, the 23rd of October. Well, I think the other thing we should probably look at that is equally important because it's all fine and dandy for all that snow to fall, but you know it can melt in between if there's warm-ups. And just to check to see the anomalies, interestingly enough, uh, a vast chunk of Siberia, if I'm going to roll it back from the beginning here, is is. I'm I'm just running it through the 16-day period and kind of doing it really fast. But the central and western part of Siberia start off above normal. But as you move through the forecast period, uh, it looks like there's an increasing air. Well, I mean, relatively speaking, there's a, a, an increasing area of below normal temperatures throughout much of that region. So if it does, if you do get all that snow uh, with below normal temperatures that are going to dominate, that would tend, you know the last date on this now is October 23rd. That would suggest, you know, that you that would suggest that you would probably not only put the snow on the ground, but you're like likely to keep it there, which is uh, which is what your the snow cover indicator is is really all about the the uh, the, uh, the the extent of the snow cover in Siberia uh, and how far south it is and the western and how how uh, how how much snow you have on the western flank. So I'm what, sorry about that. That's I'm all right. My wife my wife came in. She looked at me, then she pointed to where the camera is, and she goes, thumbs down. Oh, she doesn't like the shot? She doesn't like the shot. 
She thinks it's... You sound like you're in a tin can. I sound like I'm in a tin can. Oh, I, I don't know. It's uh, He seems to sound okay on my through my headsets. Well... Yeah, you have to put it back. I mean, the, yeah. Right now? Would you like me to put it back now? <laughs> can we not direct the show while it's on the air? Okay. Can we Can we just... Can we, we'll wait till the next show. Well, what if you mic'd yourself with a portable mic? I should get a portable mic, shouldn't I? That, that might be interesting. Um, Take a look. Joe. Yes. Look on the, you'll see it. I have a port I have a portable mic on a mic stand and it you can it it, it it's 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 cheap. Okay. Okay, so yeah, go ahead and, and pick one good. pick one up and plug it in and maybe that'll help. All right. And thank you very much, Joe uh, Miano, for uh, hitting Super Chats tonight. Joe Miano messaged me today because he was on route. Uh, he was on 87 when those storms moved through upstate New York. And he just he had messaged me right before he was going on the throughway. And sure enough, uh, he had to get off the throughway because a uh, big tree came down in uh, one of those storms that came on, came down right across the highway. So and you and if you get stuck on 87, you're 40. At times, you're 40 miles between exits. Right. <laughs> so that is not a good place to be, especially if you're if you're like at the midpoint, if you're 20 miles from either exit. Exactly. Like New Baltimore. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my. So uh, I'm not, we're back up full screen. Let's uh, let me uh, bring up. Uh, the latest from the chairman, who did go to the doctor today, and he is um, feeling a little better. So he's making progress, and he's certainly feeling well enough that he's sending uh, Briller Jeopardy uh, questions and answers for us. So that's a good thing. Uh, his uh, sugar level has dropped. Uh, the blood pressure is still uh, uh, high, but he's working on it. So, Mr. Rayo, you have the questions tonight, apparently. I do, I do. That's what he says. Really? Well, you know, if they, if I have them, I'll take one, one check here. Um, oh, while you're doing that, let me tell you this new European news that broke today. So, apparently, the, the, uh, the folks that have the European model, they've thrown in the towel, and they're going to be allowing... A they're going to be releasing all sorts of maps, the uh, maps that used to be proprietary and you weren't allowed to share. Well, guess what? It's all going to be free. Really? Yes. So <laughs> you're going to see, um, uh, I'm thinking Levi Cowan must have gotten the news. So maybe he's going to find some room uh, to add the uh, in-between hours of the European so that all of us can see it. And uh, maybe we'll have the uh, snow cover maps that will be free for us not only to see but to put up on our screens so that would be a uh, that would be a good thing uh, be an interesting thing to have so uh, good news from the folks of the european thank you very much we uh, we all appreciate it i'm sorry joe but i've never understood where scott or how scott posts these uh, questions to me did he send them to you on messenger i i looked on messenger did he send them to you on on messenger on your weather page well, that's the thing, Joe. I, I, I'm so confused here. The this brand new setup that they 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 forced on us. 
Um, Which I like, and apparently nobody else does. I, uh, I, I hate it. I, I'm not even... Okay, so go to your weather page, and on the left, you'll see home, and then you'll see inbox, and that's where your messages are. Well, I'll, I'll go back there, and I'll, I'll check. That's where all those Eastern European women send me, you know, messages that they want to be my friend. Ah, ah. Oh, God. Um, I don't if I get, by the way, I don't know if they're watching. I doubt that they're watching, but, oh, he just resent them to you on Messenger. But uh, it, on, on the YouTube, on, on the YouTube live streams, which if you watch them on the replay, there is a comment section. And lately, <clears throat> this started... Okay, here they are. Okay, this started during the pandemic uh, over the summer. I'm I'm getting that are posting uh, X-rated websites in the comment section. Uh, there uh, there are women who are trying to to get my money, uh, posting how much they love me. Uh, so let me just respond to those who have told them how much they love me. I don't love you. So okay, that's it. I don't care about you. Uh, uh, I don't love you. I don't want to date you. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, you you are usually immediately reported as spam. Uh, as for those that are putting up all these sex sex uh, links, really, I mean seriously, do you think that just stop? Okay, I mean you're doing the same thing. I'm reporting them as spam, but just don't waste your time. You must have something better to do. It's got to be a toilet you can clean somewhere in your. Uh, in, in, in your dirty bathroom that hasn't been touched in years, but no matter. So we're going down that particular road. That was my rant for the day. Go okay. on. So what are the questions on Brewer Jeopardy? All right. So let's see. For Mr. Chiaffi, baseball rules apply. I guess three strikes and you're out. And four how balls. Many, four balls and I walk. No, four balls and you walk. How many? How many of the top ten places, places, cities in the United States? Average the most snow per year, according to NOAA. I'm sorry. And repeat the question. How many of the what? How many of the top 10 places or top 10 cities in the United States average the most snow per year, according to NOAA? And he gives you a hint. Alaska appears three times. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not grasping the question. Give it to me again. How I'm, many... How many of the top 10 places? Right. Then he has a comma. See that? And he doesn't space these, space, put a space between the words. How many of the top 10 places, comma, cities, comma, in the United States average the most snow per year, according to NOAA? And Alaska appears. Well, if the top 10 cities average the most snow per year, isn't the answer 10? I'm not sure what, I, I'm not understanding what I we're looking at. I think he wants you to list the the, the top ten places. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm, I'm, if we're thinking major cities, right? I wouldn't call these major cities. All right. So. All right. <laughs> this is going to be real fun. I, I mean, they, it could be some some uh, some obscure mountaintop in 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 the Sierras, Stampede Pass. I mean, I don't. Stampede Pass. Yeah. Big one. I don't know. Um, it could be anywhere. 
I mean, we know that Syracuse is the snow capital of the of, of, of the U.S. in terms of average snowfall. Base hit, Joe. Base hit. You got one out of the All right, team. so Syracuse is on the list. I'm, right. I'm thinking uh, Marquette, Sault Ste. Marie. Let's see. Sault Ste. Marie, you got another hit. That's two out of ten. Marquette, you got yet another one. Okay, so Marquette. All You're rolling, right. Joe. You're rolling. Hold on. All right, so that's three. So you know, my wife is right. I'm getting tired of looking up. Yeah. <laughs> looking up at you, you know? Well, it keeps it keeps it it, it gets rid of one of your chins. <laughs> <laughs> I had a listen, I had a, 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 a my dear makeup artist who uh, I worship the quicksand she walks on. Uh, Sharon Slattery, she used to always say to me when we were sitting in the makeup chair at Pix, she goes, would you sit still so I can get rid of one of your chins? <laughs> and you know what? And she's a makeup artist. And she would say things like that to the women, which was just, that, which, which was just amazing to watch. Oh. Oh. When your makeup artist says that to you, you pay attention. Okay. Because exactly. she's there to make you look good. Um, all right. So I got Syracuse, Sault Ste. Marie, Raj, um, uh, Marquette. I mean, this could go anywhere. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Many people in New England have a bumper sticker that says, I I visited here, or I went to this. Oh, Mount Washington? Washington? Mount Washington, that's four. Okay. I thought you were going to talk about the welcome sign in southern Vermont, which says, welcome to Vermont, now please leave. <laughs> <laughs> No offense to Bill Rogers. I know you're from Vermont. We love you. Yep. Uh, but Southern Vermont can be a little touchy sometimes. Um, all right. So I got four. Syracuse, St. Marie, Marquette, Mount Washington. Uh, Think a place in, have in, we, in what? Have we run out of places in the Northeast? No, we still have. We still have at least one more in the Northeast. Well, if you're saying at least one more, then there's probably two more. You're implying that there's more than one. One. No, there's one more. One more. Okay. So is it a small place or a big place? It's a small place. So I'm going to say um, Tug Hill, upstate New York, Watertown, that, that area? No, strike two. All right. Uh, How about far north in the northeast as you can go? Further north than Caribou? I'm going to give it to you. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. You got it. All right. Oh, <laughs> my phone just dinged. <laughs> oh, that was that was not planned. That was funny. Um, all right. So I've got five of them so far, but I can't miss any more. All right. So, so are we done with the Northeast? We're done with the Northeast. But remember, I gave you, I told you three of these are from Alaska. That's actually Scott's hint. All right. So... I'm going to give you another hint uh, for one of the Alaskan ones. All right. Think oil tanker that that that. Oh, like the Valdez. There you go. That's number six. Really, Valdez, Alaska. Yeah. Okay, that's six. There's two other spots in Alaska. Yeah, but you're never going to get these two. All right. I yeah, know. they're going to be obscure places, correct? Right. You know, in some valley or or somewhere west of Juneau, inland or whatever it is. Right. Um, all right. So let's go. We've got six. Two more. How about a, how two about more. a soft drink city in a, in California? How about a what? A soft drink city in California. 
the name of a soft drink. Oh, a soft drink. Oh, okay. Yeah. A, a, a soft drink, like Pepsi-Cola California, something like that. <laughs> um, oh, God, a soft drink. Uh, let's see. I think it's a, I think it's a soft drink. I, I'm not even sure if they still make it anymore. Well, what is it? Shasta. <laughs> oh, Shasta, California. Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta, California. Right? Okay. I cheated, but no matter. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's three left. Right. Uh, okay. Oh, God, this you know, is really crazy. You're not going to get. You're not going to get the the the, the last. So one. what were the two Alaska ones? Yakutat. Oh yeah, please. I'm the yeah right. Okay. And what's the and, other one? And Talkeena. Ta ta I was I was just in downtown Talkeena. I just you know. Talkeena. I mean, I don't know if it's the equivalent of Encino, but you, know, <laughs> you never know. Um, all right. Well, I wasn't too shabby, though. I, I, I got six of them without too much effort. And the California, the last California was Blue Canyon, Alaska. Oh, OK. All right. All right. So what's the next question? That's it. Oh, that's it. Good. OK, good. <laughs> <laughs> that took us to 802 Eastern time. Yes. All right. Um, any parting thoughts, Mr. Rayo, on where we're going no. these days? No, I'm going to move this camera as soon as I, I'm off here with you. <laughs> Make well, you, my wife happy. Well, you know, she's she's the director. That's right. And the produ and executive producer. She's the executive producer. She's the director. She's the audio person. She's. Uh, and, she also, and she also does my naturally straight white hair. Yes, every other week. <laughs> a cup of henna to a gallon of water. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, henna rinse. <laughs> that actually, there were two things funny about that. One is the way he says it. It's just you know where he's going with this. So even if you don't understand Spanish. You, right. you can, you can, re you certainly can understand where this is, that is all headed. And, right. and, and the, um, and the, the priceless look that Lucille Ball gives him yes. when, when, when he says, uh, uh, La Sayona, you say, henna rinse. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just brilliant. Now, the best part was, the best part was the, uh, was when he was going back and forth translating. And he says to the woman who portrays his mother, she, he starts talking in English, and then he starts with, oh, my goodness. And then he's trying to revert back, and he starts right. laughing. He can't stop laughing. That was, that, was not, that, was one of the, that was not planned. That was not scripted. That was an ad lib. Yeah, it was uh, an ad lib. That, that was an ad lib. And it actually happened in another episode, too, on the, an earlier episode in the first season, uh, right. where he kind of you know flips it back and forth. That, that, that they, uh, uh, they rode with it. And uh, that that's that's in front of that was done in front of a live audience. So that was uh, they that was very good. That was definitely yep. very good. All right. So um, right. What's that? I'll see you tomorrow night at a completely different angle. <laughs> tomorrow night at seven o'clock Eastern time. And of course, uh, thank you for those that have, that joined the live stream tonight because apparently everybody else is watching to the tonight's debate. The things we have to compete with, Joe, a global pad, you know, we have a hurricane coming, a global pad, but we're competing against a global pad, pandemic and another and another sideshow that's going to be going on tonight without being political here. I'm just making a TV observation. 
Yes, but we do have one thing added, plexiglass. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just the whole thing. The whole thing is just, every day gets more and more surreal. I, I, I don't know where it ends. I'll tell you where it ends. It ends with the Category 5 hurricane that develops in the Atlantic, becomes extratropical, and produces a record-breaking snowstorm across much of the Northeast sometime during the month of November. It starts, it probably will start first or thing. Late, uh, or late October. First thing on the morning of November 3rd. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, have a good night. Thanks, folks, for being here. Joe Maiano, thank you for hitting Super Chat tonight. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Good